Hi, let's join Fred Kuhn now for another in-depth interview. Welcome, everybody. Great show today, one of great interest to the younger generation, and maybe to the older generation, too. Our guest is Dr. Francois Booker-Drew. I, I guess we had to describe Francois would be a partnership broker, relationship, leadership junkie. <laughs> That's the way she describes herself. And she has quite an extensive background. She's been quoted in Forbes, Ozzy, Bustle, Huffington Post, currently the Director of Community Affairs for the State Fair of Texas, formerly National Community Engagement Director for World Vision, and it goes on and on, and you can read her bio on the website. It's extensive and very interesting reading. Francois, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I am too, because we have a great subject, and the subject is social capital. So let's start with what it is and why is it important. So social capital is this term that was coined in late 1800s by a gentleman named Hannafin. He was kind of like a school administrator, and he saw parents who were talking, and he said, it looks like they're exchanging social capital. And so the term kind of grew where you started seeing in 2000 a book called Bowling Alone, where it's written by an amazing scholar by the name of Robert Putnam. And he talks a lot about the importance of having social capital, which is networks, associations, relationships that can really help move the needle. And I don't think we see relationships as a form of capital, but they're critical to our success. And so most of my research really looks at how do we use relationships in a good way where they're not just transactional, but they're transformative. Let's just go down that rabbit hole. Transformative versus transactional. Transactional would be, I call on XYZ business to sell them six crates of of Z, correct? And isn't that transactional? Yes, yes. Okay. So the relationship yes, so that I'm I- at McDonald's. Right. Okay. And and I'm asking for a burger. Right. We're not expecting to have a great conversation that could happen, but really the goal is there's something you have that I need. Okay. So that's transactional. Let's talk about transformative. How do you define transformative? So transformative to me is there's a win-win situation that's created that goes beyond just there's something I need. So a door may be open to an additional relationship. There may be knowledge that I gain as a result of talking with you where it may not just be you introduce me to someone, but you may share some knowledge on a resource that I'm not familiar with. And so those relationships to me are really impactful. There is a term that's coined that's called high-quality relationships. And what this really is about is these high-quality connections are things that happen more often than we realize where we meet someone and we click immediately. And this is the kind of relationship where I may have never known you, but it feels like we've known each other and we're able to really have these deep interactions with one another. That's not to say that disagreement doesn't exist, but these kinds of high quality connections can withstand tension. And so the goal isn't necessarily to make all of our relationships this way, but it is to create spaces where we can have both the transactional because we need that, but also create the space for us to have these transformational opportunities that can benefit our lives and even help others in the process of that. So it goes not just between me and the person I'm talking to, 
just because of that connection can open up doors for others. Let's take another view of this from a little different direction. Transformational, how do you capitalize on transformational? In other words, if, if we find that we do have something that we can share and is of mutual benefit, how is that nurtured? Maybe nurture is the better word than capitalize. Capitalize may be more of a transactional word. Yeah, well, I think it, it's creating spaces for that. So how do we go beyond just sending the email and saying, you know, great meeting you. How do we say, I'd love to sit down and have coffee with you? That's when we really get to know someone beyond, I need your help with finding a job. And that's great. But is there an opportunity in meeting a person and getting to know them that now they could become a mentor? And so it's really thinking more, and I think it's it's about expanding our view about relationships beyond just the immediate, and how do you continue to keep in touch with people? I'm constantly teaching younger folks about when you get a business card, you just don't hold on to it and, and stash it. Send a note immediately and go, it was great to meet you. I'd love to follow up. And even if that person can't help you, that's not to say that later on there can't be a relationship, but you have to be intentional and it can't be something that you're just doing without being strategic and thinking about that this could benefit you or even later on the relationship may open up a door for someone else that's very near and dear to your heart. So it starts off with making the contact and then following up. And asking questions and listening, because part of relationship building is not just, again, getting something, but it's the listening, because trust is critical to social capital. And without trust, it's going to be hard for people to open up their networks and open up doors to you. So the way we build that is by starting the conversation. So you're saying beyond the initial email, hi, it was nice to speak with you. It needs to go deeper in order to develop and expand whatever might have existed there or even to plow new ground for things that might exist in the future. Sure. And I think that, you know, looking at a business card doesn't necessarily tell us a lot about who a person is connected to. It tells us what they do and there's a functionality that exists, but it doesn't tell us about their vast network, their knowledge, their resources. And so having opportunities to talk and ask questions of someone, it can result in, and for me, from personal experience, it has resulted in either other doors opening where we clicked and they were willing to introduce me to other people. Either they gave me some knowledge that I wasn't aware of and a resource that I was unfamiliar with, or I got a mentor out of it. And I always tell people it's important to have your personal board of directors. You want to make sure that you're bringing people into your life that can help you. And all of us have blind spots. So how do you identify people through these conversations that can help you in areas that you may not be as strong in? You know, that's very interesting. You should bring that subject up because I have a very large network, tens of thousands of people in my network. Do I know all of those people? No. So my network is pretty much transactional, I think, except for a small core cadre of maybe several thousand that I correspond with on a regular basis, communicate with, and share ideas with. What is the objective? Is it to develop the core, 
or is it to develop the transactional larger database or is it some combination of both? In your opinion, Francois? I think it's a combination of both. I think it is having the wider net of people that if necessary, you've already established contact and if you need them, you can put hands on and you're having touches periodically. But I think it's also not just the, the breadth but it's a depth. And so how do you, with a smaller core of people um, that can help you in those areas where you may not have either the network, you may not have the, the wisdom about it, that these folks are the ones that can serve as your go-to group. And I think everyone has to think about a combination of both because reality is even with a gazillion friends on LinkedIn, you don't know all of those people. But the being consistent in your posting and giving them opportunities to know about you and things that you're doing, who knows what kind of seeds that may sprout later on that could result in an amazing opportunity. Well, it's it's true. I have many, many LinkedIn connections and I post weekly, uh, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week, either articles or podcasts such as uh, here at the, the USA at Work. And I do get responses back and get feedback. I'm surprised, though, that it's not as much as I would expect it to be, given the number of people who are being outreached. And I wonder if their mindset is the transactional, or are they? Do they see LinkedIn as becoming just transactional, or develop? How would you suggest to develop the the transformational aspect of that? There is a young lady that I watch her page and she has tens of thousands of comments, which I don't know how she does it, but she asks questions. So instead of just doing the post, she creates an opportunity for engagement. So it may be, and and I've started that, I write a, a column for professional women where they're asking questions about the workplace. And quite often I will put a question and ask people, what do you think about my feedback? To this particular, you know, person who asked the question. And it is amazing to see people feel like because the door has been open for engagement and I'm interested in what they're saying, that they engage and write, oh, this was great information. And knowing that there's going to be consistency in, in responding, I think that opens the door for people to feel that it's a safe place for them and, and that they're welcome to give their feedback. That's a wonderful suggestion. Thank you. That's just a terrific suggestion. I think it would not only apply to me, which I learned something today, but also to uh, others who want to develop a stronger core. We're speaking with Francois Booker-Drew on the subject of preparing students for the workplace. So let's bring it down to the student level, Francois. Let's talk about those who are students and are about to be not students. They're about to graduate and to uh, move on in the work world. So what do you suggest to them? I will tell my personal story of how my life was transformed because of volunteering. I'll never forget, I was in college and I was doing workshops on weekends and I had no idea that there was a group of adults who were paying attention to me. And so that's one, always be on your best behavior because you never know who's watching. And sometimes we dismiss people because they don't appear to be someone that can help us. And that's a dangerous thing to do. And so these folks were watching me and I was teaching. And in retrospect, I should have never been teaching young people Um, on diversity and inclusion because I was so young, but apparently it resonated. 
And I was offered a job right out of college that I didn't even apply for because one of the ladies there watched my work and I was always polite and on time. And she gave me an opportunity, which at 21 years old to be an assistant director for a program for Texas A&M University was huge. And, you know, I'm often saying to young people, volunteer, put yourself in spaces where you're going to connect and meet people. I go back to the mentoring. Had it not been for an amazing gentleman who recently passed, who was my mentor for 30 plus years, had it not been for me having a relationship with him and he opened doors and challenged and pushed me, I would not have had access to this lady because he's the one who made the introduction. So I think it's important for young people to make sure that when they're writing their resume, there's nothing wrong with volunteering. Make sure that you are sharing the transferable skills. So if you're learning how to be a better communicator, if you're learning about leadership, for me, I learned a lot about managing budgets and program development as a college student. Well, that opened the door for me to move into that position. So, you know, those things are very important and don't look at them as, oh, I'm just volunteering. No, you're getting some very valuable skills that can help. But the other thing is in having mentors, these are people that can open doors for you and connect you to their networks. So again, going back to that personal board of directors, I think even as a college student, it's important if you see someone that's on LinkedIn or you see, you know, someone on television that's in your local area or even nationally that has a characteristic or they are who you want to be in 20 years, reach out to them and see if they can help you. And then there are those informal mentors, the people you've never met. But, you know, I look at an Oprah and she's been so instrumental for me in reading her stories. So make sure that you're being fed and you're reading and learning about the field that you're interested in going into and connecting to people who are in those spaces. And I think all of that can really help propel you to where you want to go. I know it did for me. We have been speaking with Francois Booker-Drew. Great conversation, Francois. Thank you for joining us today. And you can check Francois's bio out on the on the website, and I think you'll find it very interesting. Not only is she into everything, which she is a serial networker, but she's also a published author, uh, 30 Days to Jolt Your Life and Rules of Engagement, Making Connections Last. Francois, thank you for joining us today on The U.S. at Work. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.